0: You know what was really cool that happened last week, Hannah? Here in New York City?
1: No, I, I really don't. Tell me, Shreyas.
0: Um, this is a uh, little political nerd in me, but the United Nations was here in New York bringing all their glory, all their fun, and all their traffic. And I actually had the distinct pleasure of seeing the Philippines motorcade drive by on 5th Ave. So I basically met the Filipino president
1: that that's amazing so you you see i didn't actually know that the u.n was still meeting because yeah they're headquartered in the in new york city and they have a great building and all those amazing flags but like let's be honest what the what, what what does the u.n really do you know
0: yeah that's a great question hannah i think the u.n from its conception was a great idea it's a it's a democracy of countries coming together voicing their concerns trying to align on priorities and they put out some pretty ambitious goals that everyone can agree on like women's welfare universal human rights peace during covid how to align on that global warming and this whole idea of having one nation one vote and separating themselves into committees but in practice that is rarely what actually happens and I think a good example is this. It's one nation, one vote. Those leaders get to represent their country in casting what their stance will be on the global stage. But who elected the Chinese president? Who elected the Russian president? Both of those people sit on the Security Council that gets a veto, but they're not representing their people. They're just representing their own interests, their own institution's interests. So I saw this really interesting video that it describes the United Nations as Not one nation, one vote, but one despot, one vote. And that clip is right here.
2: The UN is international democracy at work. One state, one vote. The trouble is, international democracy is not actual democracy, offering full democratic rights to the folks back home. Take the Palestinian Authority, whose leader is entering the 12th year of his four-year term and whose stated goal is a country without minority rights, or more precisely, ethnically cleansed of Jews. In practice, the UN's international democracy formula allowed Saudi Arabia to be elected to the Human Rights Council last October, in October for a fourth term. Iran was elected to the UN Commission on the Status of Women, even though President Rouhani himself was elected only after 99% of candidates were summarily disqualified, including every woman. One might describe UN democracy as one despot, one vote. It's not really one nation, one vote, but
1: for five members specifically, they get a lot more power than the vast majority of other countries. Right. They, and yeah, and as you mentioned, when maybe in its conception it was good but now we see China we see Russia clearly agendas have diverged a lot and I think that's shown but that Xi Jinping and Putin didn't even come to the UN meeting this year
0: so there's a here's a perfect example to your point of what is broken by the United Nations the worst human rights crisis that's happening right now that is newly developed so not like ongoing problems like famines and poverty, but a newly developed human rights crisis, Russia, Ukraine. And when Ukrainians are regaining ground, they're finding major atrocities against civilians. And there's New York Times investigation that found a video of civilians being lined up and shot in the back of the head by Russian soldiers. It's a huge human rights violation that we're seeing right now that we're living through and the United Nations, has not and will never be able to condemn what is happening in Ukraine because Russia will veto it every time, China will abstain every time, and India right now, they're elected to the rotational side of the uh, Security Council, has also abstained.
1: So to the extent of that where the U.S. is constantly condemning Russia, and they're basically on polar opposites of political agendas, there is no way at least for me to even see an issue where the two countries might align with one another
0: right and that's the problem united nations fine it's not going to accomplish anything it doesn't have a military it doesn't have any way to enforce its laws or resolutions that it comes up with that's fine that's a given we know the united nations doesn't have the powers designed in that way but to not even be able to align on goals like like fine okay climate change Everyone, even in America, can't align. But to not even align on what is a human rights violation is a huge problem. And the Council of Foreign Relations did did this pretty interesting study that's um, universally accepted by a lot of think tanks, is how like-minded dictatorships in the UN have constantly stuck together, like Algeria or Bhutan, China, Egypt, Iran. And what these countries do is they vote as a bloc. They've created this coalition. Where they block the ability to be condemned in resolutions they block the ability to bring in speakers and experts that can talk about atrocities and issues happening in their own countries and what they'll do is they'll go and target the countries that they want to criticize so there has been one country that has been condemned for violating the rights of women in the world israel israel time and time again is israel a perfect country no is israel abusing women maybe you could you could see both sides of of what's happening israel palestine but israel is not the the only only abuser that should be alleged of those crimes on the global stage but it is the only one that consistently has to take the bullet and here's a clip from uh the un uh condemning israel and them uh talking about apartheid
2: Israel has used the worst kinds of abuse, ethnic cleansing, and imposing a regime of apartheid. Uh,
1: Israel continues to exercise apartheid in uh, Palestine, which constitutes a crime against humanity, violence, and terrorism that are being exercised against the Palestinian people.
2: These violations include uh, the building of apartheid walls to legitimize the theft of land and to Judaize Jerusalem. The Separation Wall is an example of the Apartheid policy practiced by Israel.
1: Israel's practices of discrimination as well as extremism. United Nationwide, have
0: the floor. Mr. President, let me begin by putting the following on the record. Everything we just heard from the world's worst abusers of human rights, of women's rights, of freedom of religion, of the press, of assembly, of speech is absolutely false and indeed Orwellian. So you watch that video and you have Sudan, Algeria, Pakistan, Saudi Arabia condemning the, condemning the Israeli state for crimes against humanity. And you look at, into those countries. Pakistan has had a notorious problem with child marriage and with child abuse, sexual abuse. Saudi Arabia where there's reports of stoning women and stoning people for being part of the LGBTQ community, Sudan and all, all these other countries, it's hard to argue this is in good faith. It's hard to argue that they are really concerned about women's rights and they found, they looked at the world and they found one country where they really can't stand what's going on, Israel. It's definitely an objectively a politically ideology mot- motivated move. And the UN is being used as an instrument by these like-minded dictatorships who have this political ideology that they want to leverage that stage to use, and they're able to do it because they vote together as a coalition. And Israel is protected because the U.S. will always back them in the Security Council and veto resolutions that unnecessarily criticize Israel in America's um, in America's assessment. But think about how useless these committees are rendered. When this is how they're talking about the world's issues.
1: I feel like the United States and a lot of these other Western democracies kind of point at other countries and say, oh, that's not the way you guys should be working or that's not a good thing or, you know, and as you mentioned, no country is perfect. But I think the issue is that because the UN is so big and because there are so many countries and different cultures being immersed in one organization you can't expect everyone to look the same or you can't expect everyone to unite on the same footing so ultimately it's not so much creating an organization but also I feel like the UN is expected to always move as one unit when what works for different countries may not always look the same
0: Right. I agree that disagreement is part of the process, but I'm going to go out on a limb and say that Saudi Arabia, it is objectively better to be a woman in the Western world than to be a woman in Saudi Arabia and Saudi Arabia is criticizing other countries for their treatment of women in the West or in Israel. And like, here's a perfect example. There's a joke people will say, like, you know, guys will say in, in America, like, oh, women can't drive. In Saudi Arabia, until two years ago, they were like, no, women legally cannot drive a car. And they would find the religious text to back that.
1: But, Shaz, so, I'm going to just counter you right now and say America, you can't... It's In some states, it's illegal to get an abortion as a woman.
0: Try getting an abortion in Saudi Arabia.
1: Well, I don't know what it's like. I'm not
0: saying, I'm not saying that being a woman is perfect in America, but I do think that some countries do have some foundation to wield a moral authority over other countries, specifically Western countries.
1: But then I feel like that just becomes an endless feedback loop. You know, like at that point do do all countries that speak out just become hypocrites.
0: I'm all for every single country finding how to move marginally forward. I think America has a lot of progress to be made, especially after what happened this year with Roe v. Wade. I think that every single country should not be insulated from criticism. The problem that the UN, the United Nations, is, is causing is that people aren't aligned on what is marginally forward. That if countries like Sudan and Pakistan and Saudi Arabia are going out and criticizing other countries, and stopping through votes from speakers and experts from coming in and talking about how dire the situation is in their countries and stopping resolutions from passing that criticize their own countries they're not moving marginally forward they're moving backwards or maybe not moving at all and the problem is the united nations can't align all these countries on what does the future what is the future supposed to look like for women's rights but also other rights like democracy and freedom of speech and freedom of press Russia is right now one of the biggest violators of freedom of press. And they are on the Security Council where no one can criticize Russia for the murder of journalists or the murder of people in the opposition party. And not being on the same page on what is marginally forward for your own country makes, in in, in my view, renders a lot of what the United Nations does when they come together pretty useless.
1: Here's a thought that we also heard from students, you know, having a stage for dispute is better than no stage at all Mm -hmm. and activism even if it's fake activism is still activism and that's what it really boils down to for me at least in terms of looking at the UN because Clearly, we're kind of aligning on the same thought, which is that the UN in its current state isn't really productive. And structurally, it's a little flawed in the sense that these five security members can basically veto anything, yet these five security members can't agree on anything. Mm -hmm. The UN is pretty inefficient, and we don't really
0: even know what the UN does. So
1: should it even exist.
0: I think... The reason the question is relevant, first of all, is because we are the biggest donor to the United Nations by a huge margin. We give 25% of all the money the UN earns and like the second country gives like 10% less than that. And all of its biggest successes that the United Nations is able to leverage to have credibility like COVAX, we donated more than any country by a huge margin. We gave 40% of all vaccines that were donated through COVAX was through the United States. So, it's a, it's a good question of whether the U.S. should back out of the U.N. It's its own baby, this project that it created. But I think it does serve a purpose. I think, to your point earlier about it's better for all these countries to get in discussion and disagree than let it all bottle up, I think what the United Nations solves for is information asymmetry. That, that is what causes a lot of these problems and a lot of these wars And it's an amazing thing that all these countries that hate each other sometimes, yes, Russia and China, skip this year's United Nations meeting, but all these countries that hate each other sometimes can just meet up in one city and just talk to each other. And that every single world leader, no matter how crazy they are, gets 15 minutes to address everyone as an equal. So they do solve for something. But how much weight do you think that really has?
1: I completely agree with that. I think a lot of the times, like, for example, when you think of the UN, you said it was amazing to see, you know, technically you met the president.
0: Of oh, the Philippines, yeah, yeah. boys now, correct.
1: And you see all these flags, and it's like this great symbol of diplomacy and that everything is okay,
0: but that's all they are, a symbol. Yeah, a lot of people criticize that the Security Council gets a veto, and that definitely is a huge problem, but it makes sense in terms of military strength. Who are the countries that, if they want to engage in world war, would be able to? China, Russia, the U.S., and for some reason Japan and France are in there, but you know that's fine. That's, that's historical reasons. But those three countries having veto power, I think, is important because it lets those three countries in a very non-lethal way air out their problems. That when China decides to abstain, the US has no illusion of where they stand on an issue. And knowing where everyone else stands, you can't even start a discussion without it. You can't start compromise without knowing where you start. So what do you think? Is
1: everything not okay with the UN? Let us know your thoughts at specs at
0: stern.nyu.edu. And tell us who you think is the most attractive global leader and why Justin Trudeau. See you next week.